Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. And now for a high-powered panel of Metaverse heavyweights, Super World's Hish Lockhart, Calumet Christopher Deschens, and Only One's Ting Shingli, Infinite World's Ewan McDonald's, and Art Wallet's Joel Dietz, led by Sensorium's Deputy CEO Alex Balagrev. Hello everyone, this is Alex. I'm the Deputy CEO of Sensorium Corporation, and we are here in LA on Blockchain Summit. We're going to run a very nice topic today, so please stay in line. So we'll run the future of human connection experience in the metaverse. And we have really br- uh, beautiful gentlemen here join us. And uh, I will give a few minutes each of them to introduce them and their products. So please, we'll start from the Chris. Chris, please introduce yourself and your company. Hi, Alex, and uh, thank you for having me here. Uh, my name is Chris Deshane. I'm the CEO at Calumet, and we are a... Uh, um, a platform, um, an NFT platform on the Tezos blockchain, and um, we're, we're staying true to decentralization uh, in the fact that we, we never custody, everything's on chain, and uh, we, we keep very minuscule amounts um, on, on our own servers, um, and uh, we're, we're just focused on making sure that the artwork uh, lives into the future, and uh, like I said, staying true to uh, blockchain technology. You have so much paintings behind your back. Are you selling them on NFTs? I actually bought those as NFTs, and um, you know that that came after I uh, bought the NFTs. Those those arrived in the mail. So I've got Svet, Jake Andrews, uh, Victoria West, and Kelsey J behind me right wow. now. So, wow! Thanks, thanks you for your introduction, Chris. So please, Leon, that's your turn. Hi guys, this is Leon, founder of Only One. Uh, I have a less interesting background behind me. Nice gray wall. Um, so Only One is uh, the first NFT powered social platform built on Solana. Uh, we were one of the first 100 projects and everyone here uses social media, right? And some of the times what we see and what not to see on social media is heavily determined by the algorithm, uh, by these centralized platforms, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever that may be. And also on the other hand, the creators, uh, their income is heavily dependent on gatekeepers and third parties. Like if you want to make money on YouTube, you're always at risk of being demonetized. If you're on Instagram, you have to rely on third parties like merchandise sale, affiliate links, sponsored ads, and so on. So a decentralized social media is the dream and Solana is where to build it. Awesome, awesome. So uh, please, Hrish, that is your part of the deal. Yeah, thanks again for having me here. It's a, it's a pleasure to be in, in such an esteemed group on the panel. Um, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Superworld. Superworld is a virtual world built on top of the real world that enables anyone to create, discover, and monetize anything, anywhere, and to allow anyone to own the world. And our mission is to build a better world and to empower our super citizens and you know, I'm excited to share our vision with you and, and looking forward to, to working with our community to build Superworld. Wow, awesome. So Joel, please tell us more about Art Wallet and your um, project. Yeah, I'm uh, founder of Art Wallet. Um, we just exited to the Phantom Foundation. I guess we're now the largest sort of uh, premier project um, there, kind of doing a layer two solution for the NFT space. Um, I also recently started a project called the Meta Metaverse, uh, which is a platform to build metaverses uh, with a play to earn element. So you can basically develop and then sell your own metaverses. Okay, Ian, uh, 
since you are here, please tell us about Sukha. Uh, sure. Uh, thanks for uh, having me here. I'm actually stepping in for uh, Jonathan Labchik, who's the CEO of Suku, um, which is also uh, the owner of Infinite World. So I'm the chief innovation officer at infiniteworld.com, and we essentially provide a complete solution for like uh, creating, managing NFTs, as well as an entire ecosystem that includes like a, a marketplace and using the Hedera uh, ledger to essentially like mint our NFTs and manage them. Uh, but in addition to that, we're also creating utility experiences where we basically create and, and add value to NFTs through like games and through utilities all through this ecosystem. And the other part with Suku is that we've also developed an NFC technology in con connection with uh, Avery Dennison. And that's just the NFC is essentially a real world tag that allows you to essentially mint and associate and authenticate an NFT with a real world object. Wow, so that's awesome. awesome. So it looks like we here like represent almost all angles of the blockchain during the NFT. Like we do Polkadot, Chris, Tazos, Leon, Solana, and others. So let's uh, talk about Web 3.0 and the future of the human connection. So the first question goes to the Chris. I have some, sorry, I'm reading through the paper because uh, my team asked me to write those questions because they really, really care about the panel. So what role do NFTs playing in transitioning into the metaverse and Web 3.0? So I guess um, NFTs are, are essential. If you want to have uh, Web 3.0 and you want to have a metaverse, um, because anything that can be bought or sold, whether it's the real world, whether it's you know the metaverse, um, it can be tokenized as an NFT. And they have to be true NFTs um, you know, in, in order to, to really qualify um, as, as something that can be bought or sold. So they shouldn't be able to be accessed by or uh, influenced by outside sources. But I think it's absolutely you know, necessary that, that we have NFTs um, because when you open this up to everybody, if you want to have Web 3.0, the whole point is to be decentralized. And if there's no way to sell goods or if those goods are, are controlled by a central source or, or can be changed, um, then, then that kind of derails the whole web 3.0 and when it comes to you know a, a metaverse being built uh in a decentralized fashion you need uh people to be able to buy and sell back and forth and actually have ownership of the uh pieces that they're selling so thank you and thank you chris uh uh Joel, what do you think uh so can we build the metaverse without the blockchain yeah when i talk about metaverse i usually described as three parallel tracks. One is a sort of AR, VR technologies that's evolving. One is a sort of digital asset layer. And the other one is the research into our own brain chemistry, you know, uh, nootropics, biohacking, psychedelic research. Um, and I think they're kind of very parallel tracks. Sometimes they kind of bridge over to each other and cross over. Um, but both are, they're all very valuable in pursuing in their own right. And they all sort of allow us to have a kind of bridge into the unseen world. So I see. So, uh, Ian, what do you think? What is the actual role of NFT should be in the metaverse? Well, it's, it's serving a, a number of things. I mean, again, the NFT is uh, it's an association of ownership, uh, but it's also like when we talk about ownership and NFTs, it's important to realize that it's what the context is. So essentially, this, the idea of owning something in the metaverse um, it's more like a license. So the NFT through the smart contract is actually determining what you can do with it and who actually owns the original 
content uh, and therefore the things like the copyright and then what you can do with it. So you may have like an NFT, but it doesn't necessarily give you the copyright to then go off and print t-shirts with it in the physical or even the digital world. So NFTs, and again, it's the representation and then it's the actual asset itself. So whether it's a digital or physical representation is like, well, where, where is that asset? And this gets into, again, the decentralization and access to an actual digital asset, which is then immutable. So when we talk about both the ownership represented through the NFT and actually the asset itself, the intent is to decentralize both such that it can't ever be deleted or disassociated from yourself if you're the original owner. So things like we are entering the new age. Uh, Leon, what do you think about that? So do you think the metaverse affects uh, the way we uh, impact or uh, engage each other? And uh, what do you think the new opportunities will bring the NFT to this case? Yeah, uh, first of all, I love Joel's definition about metaverse because metaverse essentially means beyond our universe, right? And it doesn't necessarily mean the NFT world on Twitter. It means a lot more than that. So going yeah. further to like even neurochemistry and that, I love it. So I think, um, so I'll take the context as the NFT and like in the cryptocurrency space, right? So the theme is all about decentralization. Like metaverse simply means virtual environment in this case. And, you know, in the micro, I think we're already seeing a lot of big changes on how we interact on the internet. Like on Twitter, um, like you have all these anons, right? All these anonymous influencers and people uh, because of the way they can be anonymous on these virtual worlds, they can be fully, um, voicing their opinion without caring much about repercussions, which is, you know, it, it, it could be very productive and beautiful in one side. And sometimes it does get a little bit toxic, but I think what that really does is it helps us express ourselves even more. Right. And on the macro, however, I think the, the way humans interact via the internet is evolving. Like since the early days, we have email and then we have Facebook. I think the next trend is going to be decentralization because ultimately it's about the people. And, you know, we shouldn't be dictated by the rules set by the platform, but rather us as the community on the Internet should really be the, the people behind, um, like, how to uh, converse with other people. And NFT has a big role to play in this, I actually think, because for this entire ecosystem to work, I think creator economy is something that we cannot omit. And NFT brings in a massive opportunity for these um, individual content creators to have a way to monetize their social activities, whether it's through selling art or through other types of NFTs, right? Because NFTs um, aren't just collectibles. Like in some cases in games, it's actually digital ownership of the items. In other platforms, they're, even in DeFi, maybe it represents some sort of contract. And uh, on our platform, for example, it, it represents some connection between two people. So I think there's really a lot of different ways NFT can play a part and uh, the future of the metaverse is going to be about decentralization and in the ways how people interact. Do, do you think that we can use NFT to attract liquidity to help projects uh, be funded? Uh, that, that's a very interesting question. So um, let me take a step back and like tell you every day we have tons of NFT drops. I'm sure a lot of us here are aping into different NFTs. I just minted a few from some random projects. And a lot of the times these projects kind of just, you know, they, they have these copy page roadmap and people buy the pump and whatever. But then a lot of this money that we that we put into these projects are kind of gone to waste, right? So what if those money are actually put to good use for as a new way of funding new projects? So we had 
we're very used to ICOs or IEO, IDO, whatever, right? Yeah. So we kind of have this bonds. concept. Yeah. Digital bonds, like uh, whether or not those are financial instruments, uh, I don't know. But like, I think NFT can definitely be a way projects get funding to build something meaningful and productive for the, um, you know, for the, for the metaverse. For example, Axis Infinity. Um, they did their ICO, obviously, uh, by the Sky Mavis team. And instead of selling their Axis token early, they could have sold, they could have pre-sailed their Axis NFT as a way of funding their project, build it, launch it, and then do their ICO with a much higher valuation. So I think that alone can be like a whole new instrument of fundraising uh, after the whole trend of I, you know, I, I expose, right? Okay, good, good point. We're going to come back to this stuff. Uh, so Hirsch, uh, the question is to you. So since we uh, talk about the definition of Joel, I, I really also like the idea to split the metaverse about different technology streams. So let's talk about AR and VR. So basically, like uh, one of the barriers that is not enough uh, is, a, first of all, lack of helmets. So we see that about 5 million active users on Steam, right, exist at the moment now, monthly active users on Steam and virtual reality. So uh, you get any thoughts on this matter, how we can overcome these uh, barriers of lack of users in VR? Maybe can we compensate it through the AR? Yeah, um, you know, I think that as we are continuing to develop the software and hardware as it comes to VR technology. And, you know, that's gone, come a long way in the last few years with uh, Oculus Quest uh, and other devices that have really, you know, gotten to a lower price point, which is now much more achievable. And augmented reality, on the other hand, you know, there's 3.5 billion mobile phones that are AR enabled, soon to be 6 billion mobile phones. And so the, the ability for users to get into augmented reality is much more you know, accessible presently and again, growing very fast. But what we're gonna see in the next year or two uh, with the advent of uh, hardware glasses that are gonna provide XR, so the ability to do VR and AR, and you know, I would see the major hardware uh, companies come out with that. And you know, at SuperWorld, we're very cross-platform. So again, we're we're open to whatever is happening on the AR side with mobile, because that's accessible now. Um, but again, uh, building out on on VR, on audio, on haptics, on web, mobile, blockchain, interoperability. I think you know, again, back to Joel's vision, and you know, others in here about the metaverse. Um, we are, you know, focused on going anywhere that our customers, our super citizens are. And for us, um, that, that includes, um, you know, AR and VR and MR. Uh, thanks for the answer. Do you believe that edge computing will accelerate the adoption of virtual reality? Yes. You know, uh, again, there's a variety of uh, technology inflection points that are accelerating, you know, immersive content, AR, VR. Uh, Etc. So, you know, you have uh, edge computing, as you mentioned, 5G, AR cloud, um, you have, uh, you know, the, the ability for us to, uh, again, um, utilize um, the blockchain um, to enable uh, users to monetize um, and, you know, transact. And that's also kind of getting more and more 
uh, users on these platforms, uh, again, further enabling the investments that are happening uh, in metaverse technologies, as you're seeing Facebook make some serious announcements. And so, again, you have a, a perfect storm of uh, technolo technology societal factors. You know, COVID has, has been a big accelerant, as everyone knows, into the metaverse. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, it's happening all at once. So it's a very hot topic becomes, right? Like gamify yeah. or defy, right? Yeah. So Chris, the question to you, what tell, can you tell us more about clean NFT and what's the plans for uh, Tazis and Calamit in terms of the metaverses? Are you guys doing anything about that? We are. That's actually our founders, uh, Sandeep and Harsha, came from the Ethereum blockchain. They, they had been developing um, a lot on the Ethereum blockchain, but uh, recognized that you know there there was a need to to use something more energy efficient. Um, we on Tezos, uh, it's liquid proof of stake, uh, meaning that you're you know if you want to delegate your your funds are never never uh, locked. So. Um, you know, when it comes to proof of work, it's basically a whole bunch of computers that have to have more and more uh, computing power that are all guessing the answer as quickly as possible. So in order to do this efficiently, as the equation becomes harder and harder on the blockchain, it takes more energy and your rigs get bigger and bigger. And you want a smarter, faster computer so you can guess this number. Um, on, on Tezos, it's proof of stake, basically meaning you put a bond up, you put something up if you're validating the chain. And if you're caught doing something malicious, then they can take your Tez and it makes it not, uh, you know, they, they can take your bond. Uh, it makes it not worth it to try and do malicious attacks on the chain. Um, so it, and then of course there's direct rewards like baking, uh, where, where you're rewarded for doing, um, or verifying certain transactions on the chain. Um, so proof of stake and proof of work. Proof of stake is about 2 million times more efficient uh, than proof of work. And proof of work is just going to get more and more, you know, reliant on energy as the equation becomes harder. Um, that's that's not the case with Tezos. And that's one of the reasons that, that we moved to the Tezos ecosystem. So it looks like a eco-friendly blockchain you're developing together with other projects, uh, which is really, really big a part of ESG uh, framework, which is running all, all over the world. So uh, can we go to the next question, like about the auctions, NFTs, and uh, why we like how the metaverse will allow the creators get their money? Uh, so, Ian, uh, so the question is to you. So do you think the auction marketplace is efficient instrument to, uh, as it, it is now for uh, selling the content and which can be created in metaverse or there is other ways uh, no, absolutely i think it's going to continue to evolve but the main thing is again through the smart contracts is the relationship the original owner of the nft has in perpetuity so it's not just for the original sale and the ability to actually get more especially if it's a unique or rare item and what they already have, but essentially it's something where um, that through the residuals, even from the secondary sales, it's not just the auction, it's the fact that in perpetuity, every time the item is sold, that they essentially have this uh, ongoing 
payment based on the percentage and that percentage can be defined in the smart contract when the nft is minted so all these types of tools which didn't exist before are really empowering uh, creators to like use nfts and, and then what that represents in, in both the metaverse and in the real world okay so you know uh, while executing the well, like delivering the vacata to the world when it's happening like several weeks ago in london i met several artists and they got been complaining about marketplaces that marketplaces have I mean existing one I will not saying the names uh, but they have no creating and this is the big exposure was for those artists so I'm really curious about meaning uh, uh, of Joel uh, what thinks Joel about the creating power in the centralized environment so Joel can you share your thoughts about like uh, what is the role of curator uh, for uh, NFTs in the centralized economy for the metaverse? And who are those decentralized curators uh, for their marketplaces? Or um, will be they disrupted or they should be stayed or how it should work? Yeah, this week I've actually spent pretty much the whole week in this obelisk here in Dubai um, where a bunch of fine art people are discussing you know, how, how NFTs you know, fit into the future of the fine art space and sort of people who manage, you know, multi-billion dollar kind of art portfolios. And um, it's, a, it's an interesting angle because, you know, there's a curation as far as, you know, fan, obviously influencers have their own following, you know, what is the next apes or punk going to be? Um, and then there's a curation that goes to what type of art pieces are going to retain value over, let's say, multiple decades. And, you know, particularly if you're representing intergenerational wealth, you know, that's a very important consideration. Um, as well as what kind of pricing dynamics um, as far as the introduction of the art piece into, let's say, an open marketplace and the liquidity provisions actually lead to the um, price dynamics that allow for long-term appreciation and price stabilization, uh, which may be different from the ones that allow, you know, NFTs to be the hot thing for, you know, the next three months, but then possibly depreciate rapidly. So I would say there's no science of this as of yet, um, you know, the standard crypto dynamics um, for NFTs, I think, are actually often kind of the opposite of what you would want, or at least pretty different from what you would want for like, let's say, fine art collectors as they're sort of picking up pieces. Uh, besides the fact that there's a lot of, I mean, this is also true in the fine art market, but, you know, a lot of like wash trading and sort of non-transparency in the way that assets are kind of introduced to the market in the first place. So it presents a lot of problems. Um, I, I am you know, spending quite a bit of time in trying to come up with elegant solutions. And I think curators, you know, in some ways are already decentralized in a way um, because they, it, it, and it just really depends on the nature of the kind of marketplace and how it's sort of governed. Um, but it's, it's not so simple as like decentralized versus centralized, let's say. Um, it's also just about the nature of art and the nature of things that have value over longer time periods. I see. Thank you. Thank you, Joel. So uh, let's go get more bit details in this case. Uh, Leon, if we like, can imagine about the centralized way of the distributing NFT, is someone going to be rate those NFT and make rank rankings for them? Like if the NFT could be potentially uh, the tool for liquidity, right? Providing liquidity for the project. What do you think it will this invent a new form of uh, DAO rating for NFT or um, or any like old fashioned instrument will be used in the same place like Fitch or Moody's could be rate NFTs 
that's very popular or not very popular and so on for uh, developing of the metaverses? Um, let me rephrase your question. I think you're trying to ask if right now we are seeing the trends of centralized platforms deciding on the rarities and the utility of the, of the NFTs and the future is going to be more DAO oriented where the community gets to be the creators and decisions maker for the NFT collection. Is that correct? True, yes. And who going to be like how it will be managed in terms of what is more popular and less popular or what is more expensive, less expensive. And is there any kind of rating, maybe social ratings, and that's going to be inventing of social tokens uh, or maybe another form of DAO for this uh, from the angle of community regulation? Yeah, I think I think um, there's a lot of right now in the market, there's uh, no shortage of NFT collections being launched. And the go-to strategy for them is to say that it's a DAO and the holders of the NFT will become like some sort of a, a community that gets to vote and decide how to use the funding and also what kind of events to drive the NFT demands, right? I feel like uh, NFT market at the moment is heavily skewed towards the winning, the winner side, meaning uh, it's really like a winner takes all market. If you look at the trading volume, I would say 80% of the trading volume happens at the top 5% of the NFT collection, right? And I think, uh, because of that you have a lot of copycat projects and um ignoring all of that right i think the DAO projects like um dgen for example in, on solana um is proving to be very successful i bought a few dgen apes and i actually got invited to these like events in hong kong apparently they have different chapters of dgen apes uh communities around the world and they would actually hang out in person and they would have meetings and vote for what to do with the dgen apes like Wow. I, I didn't know there's like a, there's actually a lot of work being done behind the scene for, for that project and you know i'm not trying to show them or anything um i think in terms of providing the sorry your second question was i was curious like we think it will be this kind of rating or this community uh, affect the uh, liquidity or uh, uh, fair value of nft to bring the liquidity to the project right um if, if you're running like, uh, if you are a bank in the in traditional economy, the rating, if you're trying to issue a bond, uh, this bond will be rated by the Fitch, Moody or S&P, right? Uh, in terms of the creative industry, you are not a bank. You probably a part of the metaverse. You want to attract uh, resource to develop the metaverse. What do you think uh, if you using NFT to attract the resource, who will rate this NFT mm -hmm. as a liquid liquid or illiquid asset i see um i think nft uh, ignoring the fractionalization which might make it a security i think it's um innately very illiquid because of the nature of being non-fungible right and in, in terms of price setting and ratings i think uh, for certain collections right now it is being determined by the mass market like it's getting is slowly migrating out of the sort of crypto degen circle and going into the mainstream like it's especially for example in hong kong right now last month there was a public auction by sotheby and christie's for board ape and crypto punk and that actually raised a lot of attention from the um mass markets and that really got a lot of people you know interested and more understanding of nfc market and i think that would in turn in time uh, provide more liquidity for the nft market especially the ones with utility i think personally the future of nft is going to be very uh, utility driven um collectible market is heavily saturated right now 
and there will be more and more liquidity coming, but I think those will be heavily dependent on the utility of those NFTs. I see, I see. So, uh, Krish, uh, you've been working for the concept of virtual land, right? Like, as I, as I, as am I correct, right? So, uh, how do you see that's moving in the, in the future, like, and how does it will be related with NFT? Uh, you see that's uh, and it's the evolution step of the selling, just uh, just selling of the uh, virtual land, or um, is there any other like waves of to um, do next steps for uh, selling of the land, virtual land? Yeah, sure. So, you know, again, the virtual land is a way of enabling anyone in our ecosystem, as an example of what we're doing at Superworld, to uh, allow them to become stakeholders of the platform and to uh, get an ownership of the platform and to be able to participate in receiving a share of the economics that happen on the virtual land that they are owning and be able to trade that virtual land. Um, and then on the first part of that, you know, again, is, is the ability to enable anyone, whether they have virtual land or not, to create, discover, and monetize anything anywhere. And so what you have is, is the ability for some people to, you know, again, without buying virtual land, to be able to, 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 to do anything they want in Superworld, build businesses, to create content, uh, to discover content, and again, to buy and monetize content. Uh, and then others who want to utilize, you know, locational places uh, as well and be able to kind of become stakeholders there and to help, you know, accrete value to those places, just as you would do in the physical world. If you, you know, want to get involved in a city, you might buy a house or a commercial property um, and now you're part of the economy. Um, you know, similarly here in Superworld, you know, virtual land is a way of becoming a stakeholder on the platform. And again, there's decentralized finance involved there. Um, you know, I started off my career in, in real estate investment banking. And, you know, the real estate market is a, is a very big part of the overall financial market. And similarly, with the ability in Superworld to, to monetize an infinite amount of times in any location because of the utilization of AR and VR and, you know, filters on top of the world, I, I would guess that the virtual land ecosystem would uh, definitely become bigger than the physical land ecosystem over some time. So it's a long time to come, but um, we've moved, been moving pretty fast. And uh, I think the whole market is moving fast in terms of NFTs and crypto. I see. So it's pretty fun to sell uh, virtual land and augmented reality like Trafalgar Square and put their advertising performance and the Trafalgar Square, for example, and uh, everyone will be enjoyed if you have you own this land. Everyone's paying to you, right? If they're running the stage. Um, so, Chris, uh, in terms of this whole things about the NFT auctions, do you see any limitations which exist at the moment? Um, limitations. Well, when I first entered the space, um, I, I noticed that the select few, um, I can't remember who mentioned it earlier, the select few were the ones that were, were actually determining who sold, what was of value. And that, that's one of the things that, one of the problems that comes up when you talk about assigning, having a group assign value. It's, it's needed, but how do we do that and stay true to being decentralized and still allow artists from anywhere that maybe their artwork is better than, than you know, people selling for hundreds of thousands? Um, how do we give everybody an equal shot? And um, you know, when, when it comes to doing NFTs as, as a marketplace, I think a lot of people um, 
cut corners and they, um, they, they do things the easy way. A lot of uh, platforms will custody a piece, which again goes away from being decentralized. Um, one of the beautiful parts about um, our contracts at Calament is that um, you know we use the FA2 token standard and with the FA2 token standard, if we use the entire um, you know, code, we, we don't have to custody anything. We can we can say, hey, um, this is up for auction, but it can't be transferred. And that's part or it's written into the token contract. So we never take control of anything and, um, you know, just stay true to blockchain. I, I think a lot of people in this space right now are taking shortcuts to get it done quickly, running their own servers, all that um, to to just get something out and make money as quickly as possible. But at, at Calament, you know, we're focused on doing things the right way, not the easy way. It's a little bit slower, but uh, you know we're 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 we're, um, we're actually making leaps and bounds in, in progress. So we're excited about it. Yeah, have you heard about uh, upgradable NFTs? I have, and um, I guess when it comes to an upgradable NFT, like I said, an NFT is supposed to be non fungible. It's supposed to, you know. If I can buy an NFT that uh, can change from an outside source, then maybe I wake up in a week, a month, a year, 10 years, and this, this NFT that I spent quite a bit of money on, that website goes down and that NFT becomes just obsolete. But what's the point in having it? Um, so we're, we're focused on making art that's meant to last. So when it comes to upgradability, there's ways to do it. If something levels up, it needs to be self-contained. You can send that NFT and get a new one that you can level up again, or you can change um, in, in that in that way. Um, but there's a right way to do it, and there's the easy way. So uh, we're we're just hoping that this space, uh, you know, really recognizes that there are different ways. It might take some more some more uh, thought and and some more code, but it's going to be worth it in the long run. I see. So. Um... Following this line, Ian, so do you think the NFT is the way is to represent yourself uh, in the digital environment, not just about as a collector, but maybe as a like a person who is uh, trying to be uh, through this NFT represented by himself and it's more just about value uh, and maybe it's a new part of your digital identity? That's a complex question. Um, Possibly, I mean, but but to Chris's point, I mean, the because people change and even their avatars that represent them in the metaverse are, are going to change and evolve. Uh, so it really comes down to a, a very specific type of protocol that allows to like keep track of those changes. And again, because people are, are in terms of like their functionality, what they can and can't do, I think it would be hard to represent a, a person or even their their complete uh, unique uh, avatar uh, as an NFT, but Let's see. I mean, I think it's one of those things which, which could evolve. Uh, but the important thing is is also about like ownership. That's like, the relationship between like an individual in terms of their ID uh, and the NFT is something that needs to be tracked. So essentially making an NFT to NFT relationship uh, and how that evolves is something which I think still, still requires some some work. Um, but that's an interesting, interesting concept. Okay, so Joel, so you are as a as a representative as a representative of the art industry. Can you please say your personal opinion? Uh, because this is all the conflict between the investor and uh, uh, as a uh, creator. Uh, do you think the NFT is a part of your digital representation yourself, or is just the instrument getting your um, money to get new? 
stuff or yeah i think a lot of people who think of nfts as art you know even though i advise fine art people all the time are kind of missing the point you know the nft industry really got kicking with crypto kitties and it's basically a speculative game around you know collectibles and um and a game basically that in which you breed things and all this other stuff um, there's a limited edition you get in before and you know a little bit free for all as far as that goes so um i do appreciate you know the virtual world i do appreciate the fact that some fine art people are kind of being onboarded and the technology behind digital assets in general is something that i've been an advocate for going back as far as you know 2013. So I'm certainly happy that that process is happening, um, but NFT industry as a whole is really, you know, built around speculative games. I think Axie is another perfect example of that. The number of people from the cryptocurrency that, you know, play Axie is actually a very limited subset of the people who buy Axies and trade them and kind of breed them and buy the Axie token. And that's really kind of where the big pump is happening from, so, so to speak. Um, and I, I don't have a problem with that per se, so long as people understand what's really going on. Um, but I do believe some people are kind of misrepresenting the, the state of the industry. Okay, so what do you think about uh, time limit NFTs? When the NFTs have a valid date after which you cannot transfer it to anyone and it's like stays for uh, until the timeline with uh, like museum or yourself. So no one else can get your... Uh, digital representation, uh, do you think it's worth of it uh, for the industry or maybe other uh, attributes that can limit NFT like location-based limitation or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, to some degree, that was the idea behind Artwall was kind of paywalled NFTs where some of the content you get is only behind the NFT after you purchase it, kind of like a OnlyFans or Spotify model. Um, I think things that disappear after time are interesting. I had a concept yeah. before that was related because I, I do a lot of Burning Man installation art, you know, and in Burning Man, a lot of the stuff burns. <laughs> um, it's gone yeah. after you build it. But I, I had a concept yeah. before that was basically, and I even wrote up the whole project spec. If someone wants to run with it, I'll, I'll help finance it. I never found a good team to deliver on it. But basically, it involved a blueprint where you just post a, the NFT as a blueprint, and depending on how much money um, goes into it, um, is the size at which it's produced, basically. So it could be like a tiny little head, you know, that's this big, or it could be a head the size of Mount Rushmore or a mountain, you know, if someone wants to put a couple million dollars, you know, into making this art piece. And it would deliver it at a festival, and it could also be burned, but then you could capture it in a video feed and then issue a burn NFT. So then in that case, at some point, it's conceivable that the burn NFT would actually be worth more than the original which is kind of a little bit of a, a mind fuck, so to speak, but um, it, it, this world is crazy, so it's good. Y yeah, you, you got the point, so I, I actually, that's that's what that's I good. was interested, curious for. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, Leon, so uh, the question is like to you, so um, uh, if people can create those NFTs with like time limit or anything like limit, and they, uh, um, yeah, we're going now five minutes uh, and of this discussion so i got a few more questions and asking you guys because i think we have very rich very interesting topics so if we can create those nfts that can be limited with some of the attributes like time or or location or anything like that that's mean they will disrupt the value of uh, economic value of itself because you cannot use it after this uh, time of course 
Leon, what do you think about that? So if you invest money, will you invest money in the NFT, which will disappear uh, after some period of time? Or do you think it's more so um, useful or uh, brings value as you are as a last owner of the mm -hmm. NFT? I think, you think, I think it's there's a new uh... age? I think that could be a very interesting idea. It really depends on how you shape that context, right? Like there are in, there are investment in vehicles where there's a time limit. Like there's there are contracts with expiry date and people would still put money in it. So I think it really depends on the whole context and not just tunnel visioning into the time limit factor. But I'm interested in the idea of putting some kind of a limit or some kind of a gate around an NFT. And one of the idea that we were thinking about uh, on only one is to have uh, basically unlockable NFTs, meaning you have to pay to unlock it. And here's here's the idea, mm. and I love I love any feedback. So I would post a NFT that says, here's my biggest uh, portfolio holding. And you, Alexi, you would buy this NFT, and then you can see it. So let's say it says that I'm holding a lot of Solana. And and then uh, Joel decided he wants to see this too, but he doesn't want to you know pay a lot of money to buy the NFT. They can pay a small fee to unlock the NFT. And the unlocking fee will be split between Alexi and me, the original creator. So that's like a only fans but with a NFT twist. I like the idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> we should definitely try. I, I like the idea. So in Vakata, we did a kind of thing about time, uh, NF, time limit NFT. And uh, the investors split one part of the investors said, hey, we're going to lose the money, Alex. It's like, it's a very bad thing. And the other part said, wow, it's super cool. I'm going to be the last one who owns it. So no one can steal my uh, representation of myself <laughs> anymore. And that was super exciting thing for them. And I, and I was really, really uh, shocked. That's why I actually want to ask Krish. Krish, it looks like we are uh, living the industrial age uh, and we passing across line of post-industrial age where the money is not so important for everyone. What do you think how it's all will deal with the economic environment and um, this thing if uh, what people will care about NFT if not money that, then what? Uh, that, what will be the value for them uh, in terms of the connection to each other in terms of the metaverse? What do what they will be looking for? Yeah, I think we're, you know, again, enabling the strong birth of communities uh, with uh, the blockchain technologies that we're leveraging and NFTs. Uh, and we're seeing that over the last 10 years, how that's developing, whether your community is Bitcoin or Ethereum or, you know, social tokens that um, are now gaining more prominence. Um, I think we're, we're, we're bonding together around uh, creativity. Um, I think as machine learning and AI, you know, take away a lot of the, uh, the, the, the kind of commoditized types of work, I think create human creativity is, is what's being spurred by that. And, you know, again, we're able to utilize technologies like AR, VR, um, NFT technology to really create compelling, creative uh, endeavors, experiences that we can connect with each other. Um, and again, that's kind of what separates, I think, humanity from, uh, from, from machines. And, uh, and I think that you're going to see more and more of that in platforms, um, you know, such as what we're doing at Superworld and others, um, you know, I think are helping uh, human creativity flourish. And so that's, that's what I'm really hoping for 
uh, again, and, and bringing alignment to those initiatives and incentives so we can actually do things that are very positive for the world because it's much needed. So that's that's what we're focused on. Awesome. So, well, that yeah. sounds really cool. I like the idea. So that's uh, thank you, gentlemen, for the very nice discussion. I hope you're going to you'll enjoy this and show it to your uh, colleagues, friends and moms. Um, so uh, the, so we've been here for the future of human connections. So please stay online. going to be near next session. I uh, hope you see everyone in LA or any part of the world. Thank you very much for your time. Stay Thank you, everyone. And be good. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank Bye -bye. you.